Good morning, uh, LLC. Uh, I'm glad you're able to join us on this uh, Father's Day uh, Sunday. Uh, so happy Father's Day to you dads out there, uh, but also happy Father's Day to you father figures who have mentored and uh, taking care uh, of uh, other, other uh, men and women uh, in, in, in your life. Uh, so keep doing what you're doing and follow the call that God has given you. Uh, and I really uh, wish you all the best uh, on this Sunday. Uh, my name is Doug. I'm a pastor here at LLC, and today uh, we have a one-off uh, sermon uh, And uh, as we transition between uh, sermons. And next week, we're starting a new series, and it's taken some time to, to prepare for it. It's taken some time to, to pray over and see what, God, uh, what word God would have uh, for His church. And we're going we're gonna to be uh, studying through the book of Romans. Uh, so it's going to be heavy. It's going to be uh, heavy hitting uh, is going to speak of some truths, especially into our time uh, and a time in the world and what's going on right now. Uh, but please join us. Uh, it's going to be at least 16 weeks. We're going to be digging deep uh, into the book of Romans. Uh, so hold on to your seats uh, for that and uh, be, be prepared. Uh, but today's sermon is called Act Like Men. And uh, uh, Katie just beautifully read for us the, the scripture from today. And on Father's Day, I just want to challenge us men uh, to live in a godly way, in a way that honors God, in a way that proclaims God, in a way that God has designed us uh, men uh, to live, and that we are meant to live uh, and to act like a men that God has uh, willed uh, for us. But in fact, for us uh, to be godly men, we uh, ought to live like Jesus. And that's the simple definition of what it means to be a godly man, that real men live like Jesus. Uh, and that's really the precursor and the big idea for today, that we're meant to follow in the ways of Jesus, that he is the, the, the definition of masculinity. He's the definition of what it means to be a man. He's the definition of what it means to live out uh, the, uh, this life that he has called uh, you to. Uh, and earlier this week, uh, earlier this week, I was uh, at Home Depot. And you might know that we are, uh, our place has a, uh, had a flood a couple of months ago and we're at the tail end of it and we had to choose uh, a light fixture for our closet. And we're just browsing around trying to see the different kinds of uh, light fixtures. And then we landed upon this one and we're like, oh, LED sounds nice. Uh, LED sounds like one that we should uh, choose. And I noticed this as I was reading in the box that is maintenance free. Uh, a light shines brighter and it lasts for up to 45 years. I was like, 45 years, that's a long time. I'll tell them in 45 years whether it actually makes it or not. Uh, what happens on year 44? I don't know. Uh, if it doesn't make it, what's going to happen? Maybe I'll send it in uh, to, uh, uh, um, to get, some, uh, get a warranty. But I was thinking, like 44, I mean, at that time, I'm at least 78 or something like that. Uh, I'm hoping that this light is supposed to last uh, to up, up to then. But I was reading this. I'm like, how do I know? How do I know this is actually going to last for four to five years? I'm just trusting the words on this box. I'm trusting uh, what uh, this box is, is, is telling me. And I kind of wish, like, don't you wish this, that maybe in life that there'll be labels like this as well? Uh, that, you know, ladies, can you imagine with me, there's a man that walks by and he's single and there's a sticker on him that says he'll be 45 years faithful. Uh, that, that'll be 50 years faithful. That'll be 60 years faithful. That, that there's a, a good... Uh, a Christian man and, and woman is walking by and it says that uh, in 60 years, he's still going to be following Jesus. In 60 years, he's still going to be, uh, she's still going to be loving God. And uh, in 45 years, he's going to be a great father and a great, you know, can you imagine in life if, if it had something like this? Uh, and 
and that got me thinking like, you know, is there a way of us understanding what it means to be a godly man, to be a godly woman? Uh, is there a way to guarantee anything? And I, I just was reminded that I'm, I'm thankful that we do have the word of God that reminds us that we're not going through blindly this trying to figure out what it means to be a man, uh, that we're not trying to uh, just walking blindly out there, but God has given us his word to understand him and, and um, the definition he, had, he has given us. Because quite honestly, uh, for, for me, uh, I, I had my concerns. I had my concerns uh, when I was going to get married, and that was eight years ago now. That uh, up to that year when I was engaged, I was wondering, am I going to be a good, good, a good husband? Am I going to be that godly man that, that Jess needs me to be, or that wants me to be, that I'm called to be? Uh, am, I, am I going to be that, that, that man that, that, that God uh, has, uh, 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 is commanding me uh, to, to live out? And for some of you that might not know, I grew up in a single parent home. Uh, so, and it, it really got me thinking because growing up without a father figure, it has really uh, hit hard, hit on me in terms of my identity, in terms of my confidence, in terms of my worth. I felt like I didn't have a, um, a good example. Uh, my mom tried her best, uh, but I didn't have a father figure at, at home. And I felt like I wasn't able to live up to that calling or to live in the way that God would have me live. And I'm thankful God has brought many mentors along the way, uh, whether it's a sport, a coach in sports, whether it's people in church, uh, God has brought a godly men and women into my life to mentor me and to bring me through. But I struggled with this identity of like, am I going to be a good husband? And when Cohen, when we found out we we're pregnant with Cohen, I was struggling with, am I going to be a good father? Uh, I'm not sure I got this whole husband thing worked out yet. I'm still working on it now. Uh, just will attest to that. Uh, but Am I going to be a good father? Am I going to live in a way that's going to be honoring to our family, taking care of our son, Cohen, and now our daughter, uh, Ryan? Am I going to be the dad that they need me to be, that they want me to be, the dad that I'm called uh, to be? And I had these real uh, struggles that I had. And I might have shared the story with you before, but uh, when, uh, when we were expecting Cohen, uh, a cousin of mine was flying through uh, from, Van uh, from Hong Kong to, through Vancouver to to New York and we had just an hour together as I picked him up at the airport and uh, we're having this conversation and he was sharing with me, Doug, I really felt like I need to share this with you, that you're going to be a good dad, uh, that this is what God has called you to, that your history is your history and God's been there and he's healing you and he's redeemed uh, your history and your family and that it's going to start changing from here on, on out. And I needed to hear that um, and I needed to understand that the call that God has uh, for me. But, 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 the, but the challenge is in our day and age uh, that the stats aren't very good. And maybe you're this morning struggling as well. Maybe you haven't uh, had a very good father figure as well. Maybe you're missing your dad. Maybe you lost your dad. Or maybe you had a great father at home. Uh, but I believe that today's word, it speaks into all of our lives. Did you know that in, in Canada alone, there's 150,000 single parent families and 80% of them are raised by their mother alone? Uh, that most of them are of the single parent homes are fatherless, uh, that the, the father has left. And there's very many reasons, the many reasons why is a single parent home. But, but uh, most of the time it is to do to the father uh, leaving. Uh, and in fact, due to re in research, it says that the main reported cause of fatherlessness is the fact that the father did not want to get divorced and the relationship with the mother deteriorated in the aftermath. So the father just left. Uh, that it wasn't due to some sort of um, like work thing or it wasn't due to maybe death, uh, but just this didn't work out and I'm just going to, uh, I'm just going to leave. 
And children growing up with a father is tied to many uh, physiological, uh, psychological, social, and physical issues. And, and it, it, it's hard. And, I'm, and, and, and God hasn't designed the family to be in this way. And the stats don't exactly help us anymore. Uh, it doesn't really paint a very bright picture. Children from fatherless families are 10 times more likely to abuse chemical substances, four times more likely to be raised in poverty, two times as likely to commit suicide, nine times more likely to drop out of high school. 70% 70, 70 of teen pregnancies occur in a fatherless home. Girls are nine times more likely to be sexually assaulted in a home without a biological father. 60% of rapists come from fatherless homes. Those who those raised in fatherless homes are 11 times more likely to engage in violent behavior and 20 times more likely to be incarcerated at some point. And this is from the Canadian Association for Equality. And I raised the question this morning on Father's Day for a call for us to act like men. Do you think it's important for us to have fathers? That There's a call now for us men to step up in the church and in our families to be the fathers and to be the mentors and be the men that God has called us to be because there's real consequences that this life isn't a game, that we are charged with making a real difference to the people around us, that possibly if we are living out the biblical manhood that God has called us to, is it possible that our city, our churches, our city, our province, our nation, the world will be changed for the better? Now, there's a word for, for a godly woman as well, but today on Father's Day, I'm, I'm sp strictly speaking to us uh, men here. Because there's a way of us losing a father, even though they could be physically there. That uh, many of us have lost a father to their, to their work. We've lost a father to their cell phones, to their own friends, to that car that they have, to the garage. they rather work on their lawn than be with their kids that they'd rather be elsewhere than be in the family. There's other ways to lose your father as, as well. And to be a good, good father is how the Bible describes it. You need to be a godly man. You live, need to live like Jesus. You need to live in a way that honors Jesus. And today, maybe this will upset you. Maybe this rubs you the wrong way. I understand as a man, uh, how dare you speak to me in this way, but I'm speaking to you as a fellow man, that all the energy you have, and how you're maybe upset by this, the challenge that you have, just maybe pause for a moment and think, maybe this is God speaking to you through scripture, uh, that this is the challenge that God has given you. Maybe redirect all that energy towards fighting, not me, and maybe fighting God, but fighting for your relationship with God, but fighting with your family, for your family, fight, fighting for your wife or fighting for your girlfriend because you want to be that godly man that God has called you to be turn your energy towards that way. And, and for you, if you're listening now and you're a woman, don't tune out either uh, because there's a word for you uh, as well. You have a big role to play uh, in this. Um, like mothers, sisters, and daughters, like you're, you're, you're called to encourage men uh, to live in this godly way. Whether it's men in the church, uh, may, whether it's the, it's the boy that you're teaching in your Sunday school class, uh, whether it's, it's the person that you have, uh, the, the, the boy that you, you, that you encounter, uh, that you're ministering to at work, or the men around you all around, like you have a role to, to encourage them to live in this godly way, to help them, to move them towards this, to help uh, us as men to think biblically and to encourage, uh, to set high expectations as well uh, for the men that, uh, that approach you. 
and how men treat you as women. There's, there's a godly picture of how men ought to treat women. There's a picture of how men ought to live. And when you see the truth of what scripture says, you align that with what uh, you're seeing in, in life. That if some man approaches you and he's speaking you, to you in this way or doing, to, to you, uh, doing something to you in, in, in a way that's ungodly, you mean like, stop it right there. I bring authority against you, not with my own authority, but with the authority of scripture, with the authority of our, the God that we follow, that you don't treat people this way. You don't talk to people this way, that I am a daughter of God and that you don't treat me in this way. And you hold the people accountable. As women, you are raising up a generation as well. You has, have equally as much of a role in raising up the family and changing society and changing our culture. And I'm pleading with you, women, that if you understand the true call of, of godly men and, and, and what, what men are called towards, I'm, I'm, I'm praying and I'm urging to you, please don't marry boys. Don't marry boys. Marry men. Marry a man that follows God, that understands God, that understands the call that he has on his life because it's possible that, you, that someone can be male, but they're not a man. It's possible. It's possible that there's actually way too many people, out, uh, too many boys out there with full-on beards and a lot of muscle, but they're not exactly men yet that that's possible to see. And don't be tricked by that just because of what we see physically that they're exactly a man because biblically there's very clear characteristics for, for us. Uh, and that you don't just become a man after you get married either. There's, the, 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 there's, a, there's a precursor to that, to that. There's an understanding to that of what, uh, and that comes from the call that God has for us. Now, there's a picture in, uh, in, in our culture that, kind of pa that paints a, an image for us uh, of what it means to be a man. We kind of think guys are less sensitive, right? You know, guys are less uh, sensitive, they're less emotional than girls. Guys talk less um, and they do more with their hands. They're less, uh, uh, they, they don't, don't talk so much about their emotions, but they do more with their hands. Like guys like sports and girls don't like, these are all stereotypes. Uh, and that's not to be the true understanding of what biblical manhood is because there's a there's a real problem here and I, I think it can be summarized into two ways that in our culture in our in our society the way that we understand manhood is really painted in this way that men, men are meant to be strong and tough full of muscles like me tarzan you jane you know that kind of like like that, that kind of understanding that we're just brutes and like that's what a true man is supposed to be like you're strong you you play sports uh you shed blood not tears you go on and 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 that's the kind of the image that we have as a man that we don't cry that we're not emotional uh and that's kind of raises up this like um, um, this chauvinistic, I would say, that this, this, this masculinity that's false, that's dependent on ourselves and in our, in our culture. And who suffers most from this isn't the men themselves, though there's trauma in their lives because they've learned to hide behind this, this machoism, whatever you want to call it. And instead of tuning into how God has created them to be, it, the people that suffer most isn't just the men, it's actually their families as well. Uh, it's their girlfriends. It's their wives, it's uh, our daughters, it's our sisters that suffer from this because they're trapped in this relationship of, of a man who's actually a boy thinking that this is what manhood is, living out in a way that God hasn't called them to do. Did you know that one in three women are trapped in abusive relationships? Did you know that? And I think it starts from young. 
it starts from the way we understand what manhood is. It starts with the examples that we set for people. It starts with the conversations that we have. It doesn't matter if you're a man or woman having these conversations, the way that we train up the next generation, it starts from there. And then the second problem that we have is that there's no difference between a man and a woman. And I can go on there. That's a big topic in our society right now. That there's no difference between a man and a woman and we're all equal. Yes, we are all equal in the eyes of God. But I believe that God has given us certain roles, that God has called us to different things. And it doesn't separate us in our equality, but he's called us to different roles. And, th- and I think this kind of understanding that men and women are exactly the same leads to men not leading. Uh, that, that it leads to us kind of sitting back and, and taking the back seat. Uh, so in the remaining time, uh, I, don't, I don't have much time, but what, is, what does it mean to, to be a man? Uh, what does it mean biblically uh, to be a man? Because to be a man of God, uh, it's labeled for us. It's placed out for us in the Old Testament. It's this word man of God is given to people like Moses and Samuel and David, Elijah and Elisha. And if you think like being a man is just being strong and, 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 and being strong and husky, you know, like King David played a harp, guys. Okay. Like, you know, he, he was, he, but yet he was a man of God. He, he, he understood what it means to follow God and understood what it means to live out this God. But this King David is also a guy who ripped up a bear with his bare hands. Okay. So uh, I guess he had it a little bit uh, of both uh, in both ways, but you know, where are the men? And I think in today's uh, scripture in first Corinthians here, the, the first Corinthian church was also feeling like it was lacking biblical men. It was lacking uh, men that were living like, like Jesus uh, men that were following the calls of God. And, and here, uh, Paul says this in 1 Corinthians 15, 13 to 14, be on your guard, stand firm in the faith, be courageous, be strong, do everything in love. And, and one of the first things here we see what it means to live as a godly uh, man is, is, is to be on your guard, uh, to, to be watchful, uh, to understand the times, to understand uh, that what this life is all about. Yes, there's a time for games. Yes, we're meant to have fun. Yes, you know, there's a time to, 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 um, to, to do things that's to enjoy life. But we're also meant to understand the stakes at hand here. That when we don't understand the stake of life, stakes of life, we don't understand what life is all about. We are dragging our families through this. We're dra- dragging our wives through this. We're dragging our, our, our girlfriends through this. We're driving our friends through this that we think life is just full of fun and games and we're trying to figure out life. It's one thing to figure out life on your own, but it's another thing to drag your son and your daughter into it as you're trying to figure it out, as you're trying to live it out. You're trying to understand what it means uh, to, to, to follow God. But it says here, like, be on your guard, be watchful. Don't just wander through life. Just saying whatever's going to happen is going to happen. No, we're called to follow and to understand and to be on our guard. And secondly, uh, stand firm in the faith. And I think this is probably the most important part of this whole two verses here. And to stand firm in the faith. And I believe that biblical men understand their identity the clearest. Uh, that if you want to be a strong man, you have to understand, you have to have a strong identity. You have to have a strong, to be a strong man, you have to have a strong identity in who you are in Jesus. And how, who God has called you to be, how your worth isn't in the things of the world. Your worth isn't in your muscle, isn't in your work, isn't in your finances, but it's in Jesus Christ himself. Because us men, if you don't know this, we actually, why it talks so much about respect is because us men are so prone to feeling ashamed and feeling disappointed. 
that we trust in our own strength. We try to get gather things together and we, we feel ashamed when we can't do it. But here, men, the call is clear to stand firm in the faith, not to stand firm in your work, not to stand firm in your own strength, not to stand firm in yourself or in your own wisdom, in your own education, to stand firm in the faith because you're going to fail in life and you're not going to live up to the expectations uh, and the calling that God has given you. But what are you going to fall back on at that point? It's not going to be on yourself, but it's going to be on Jesus. It's going to be on your faith that we're meant to stand firm in the faith on the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus himself. Because the day will come when you feel like you have no strength. You feel like you can't do it anymore. When you feel like your son's going to want to read, you want him to read, you want you to read him the 10th story that night. And you're going to feel like, I don't want to do it. I'm going to last shout. But at that moment, what are you going to stand firm on? It's going to be on your call as a man, your call as a father, your call that Jesus and your identity that he has given you. Because for most of us, and I know I'm prone to this, that in, the, in, in light of adversity, in light of the pain and sufferings in the, in the world, us men like to either withdraw or relash back in anger. Those are two often ways that we fight back. But no, we're called to stand firm in the faith to be clear in our thinking, to understand the times, to understand what's at stake here. I'm caring for lives around me and to think clearly there and to stand firm on Jesus. And here the word be courageous in other translations in the ESV, why this, this passage is often used on Father's Day is because uh, be courageous actually more accurately can be translated as act like men. Our NIV translates it to be, be courageous, and that's definitely a part of that word. It's a very complicated a Greek word there, but it means to act like men. And what does it mean, that word mean? It means to be mature, to be sober-minded, to demonstrate maturity and strength, but not just strength, but biblical strength. Uh, understanding your call, understanding your role, understanding the leadership and, 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 the, and the call that God has placed upon you that you're meant to have the spiritual confidence that god has placed on you that is the courage courage we're meant to display that's what it, that's what it means to act like men uh not to flex but to flex uh, uh spiritually to understand uh what god has called you uh, towards to be strong and and to do everything in love that's how he wraps up this passage here that everything is meant to be wrapped up in love that that is the definition of our serving the, of, of Jesus on the cross. That's our way of living out this understanding of, of biblical love. In other words, all of this is really what Jesus did, that to live like men, we need to act like Jesus, to live like Jesus, to understand the call he has for us. And, and I love this passage in Ephesians 5 for those of us that are, that are husbands and, 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 and fathers here that this is often the passage I go back to and I need to read uh, often over myself to remind myself of my call as a man of what it means to be in a family. And it says this in Ephesians 5.25, Husbands, love your wives just as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her to make her holy, cleansing her by the washing with water through the word and to present her to himself as a radiant church without stain or wrinkle or any blemish, but holy and blameless. In the same way, husbands ought to love their wives as their own body. He who loves his wife loves himself. And I want to just pause there for a second. And I think for those of us that don't treat people in the right way, that those of us that don't understand our godly calling, those of us that don't treat our, our, our girlfriends, our wives, the women in our lives, 
in, in the way that God would have us, it actually comes down to us not loving ourselves. It comes back down to the identity piece of how loved we are. It's actually coming from a deficiency in our love tank, borrowing from, uh, borrowing from the five love languages. That for those of us that we haven't learned to love ourselves, we haven't learned the love that God has given to us. Therefore, we have no love to give to others. That we don't understand what it means to be loved, so we can't love other people in the way that God has loved us. Verse 29, after all, no one ever hated their own body, but they feed and care for their own body, just as Christ does the church, for we are members of his body. 31, for this reason, a man will leave his wife and mother and be united to his wife, and the two will become one flesh. This is a profound mystery, but I'm talking about Christ and the church. However, each one of you must also love, love his wife as he loves himself, and the wife must respect her husband. And there it is at the very end. That's often the verse that people jump right into. The very end there, a wife must respect her husband, and that's why Christianity is the issue for all of the abuse in the world. I've heard that before, that this verse is thrown out to families, that this is how a woman are meant to live out. But but notice all the other verses just before this one verse here at the end. That how are we to understand the calling of, of, of men uh, in our relationships, the men in our, in, 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 our, in our churches? And I think it can be all categorized in this way, that as men, we're meant to understand and to live out sacrifice. That, that's what this passage is all about here that men were meant to live out and understand what it means to sacrifice. That is our role within our family. That is our role within our relationships. The men, you are called to sacrifice for what? For the flourishing of your family. You're meant to sacrifice and to give up uh, your rights, your, your, your thoughts uh, for the sake of the family so that your family can flourish, so that your family can be well. And that's why it says here, like, husbands, you're to love your wives as what? As, as Christ loved the church. Like, that's the stack calling we have as guys here, as fathers and, and as husbands this, this today. Like, that is the call, like, to, to love our, our families, to love our wives as Jesus loves the church. And Jesus' love on the church wasn't easy. It was him on the cross. That was him giving up himself, everything, his body that was broken, his blood that was shed. Like, that was him giving up uh, his life for the church. And that is, that is to be our example uh, for, our, for our wives and for our families. And also here's another part where it says like, like men, like you're, you're the one. Like why does it say here? Like, like for this reason, a man will leave. Like I always often like, why can't the woman leave? Right? Like why can't the woman leave their family? Right? Like they, they, and they do. There's a leaving and cleaving uh, that forms a new family unit. But I think there's a, there's a call of sacrifice here. Uh, that men, you're to leave. Like you're to take that first step. Like you're to sacrifice and give up yourself and whatever comforts that you had for the sake of your new family, for the sake of your wife, for the sake of, uh, of, your, of, of, of your family. And I think that's the call for us here. And if we do that, if men, if we're living sacrificially as Jesus has sacrificed, if we're acting like men in the way that Jesus has lived, which girlfriend, which wife would not want to love their husband? If we display the love of Jesus upon our family, in which way would our, would, would, our, would our wives not follow us and love us and respect us? I think that's the call here. Which one is first? And I think that the, the role and the responsibility and the weight is on the man here for us to lead uh, in this way. I love what uh, Mark Driscoll, that might be a name you haven't heard in a while. 
says in the book, Real Marriage, stop looking for the path of least resistance and start running down the path of greatest glory to God and good to others, because that's what Jesus, the real man, did. And I think that's the call for us this morning as men and the call for you women to challenge the men around you. Whether they're just little boys growing up in Sunday school or you know, you're teaching them in class or you're working with teens or university students or you're just having this conversation. Like this, this is the call for us that we're not to point people only to ourselves, but to point them to Jesus because real men act like Jesus. Real men live out the call of Jesus. And this is what Jesus did for us. I'm nearing the end here. In Philippians 2, 5 to 8, in your relationships with one another, what? Have the same mindset as Christ Jesus, who being in very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. Rather, he made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness, and being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even death on a cross. This is our illustration for us. This is the image we have. This is the goal we have in mind of what it means to be godly man, what it means to follow Jesus and to lead our families, to lead our wives and our girlfriends and our families, uh, to be good fathers. This is what it means to give freely. And that's the definition, I would think, of being a man, to live in a way that Jesus would live. I want to end this morning by asking you men this, this question. is What does it mean for you as a man to give freely. That, that is really the, what it all boils down to. As we learn to sacrifice, as we live to live in a way that honors God, uh, to be courageous, uh, to, to, to be strong, to be on our guard, to stand firm in our faith, to do everything in love, what does it mean for you as a man to freely give? To freely give physically, Maybe to help someone out, to, to do that, uh, to, to help someone out and, and to, to freely give uh, in that way. Or maybe it's to freely give financially, or to freely give emotionally, to freely give spiritually. Like that doesn't start the day that you get married or the first day that your child is born. That starts right now. And God's grace covers all of that because there, are, there have been shortcomings. And I'm reminding us right now that maybe you fall, feel like you've fallen short, but God's grace is greater. And whatever shortcomings that you've had, the call is for you today as well, for you to come back to God, for you to follow Jesus, and for you to start over saying, today, I'm going to start acting like a man. You don't need to confess that to anyone else. Well, maybe your wife and your girlfriend. But in some way, that it starts today saying that I will live in the way that God has challenged us to be. Because if you want to be a good father, you want to be a good husband, then you're going to need to learn how to be a man and what it means to be a man. That is the biblical foundation and the building blocks. It doesn't work without the other. So challenge you to push yourself and to sacrifice and to learn, to, to live in a way that's honor, honoring to Jesus, to pray even harder that God would change your heart and to change your families, that you would give up whatever other temptations and distractions you have to get in the word and to study, to lead your family in that to pray with them, to do Bible studies uh, together, to read the Bible with your kids and to share about deeper things. And, and, I, and I want to challenge you as well with this. Like, how are you living a life that others want to follow as well? Like, like we have to be intentional that we have to be on our guard in, 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 in that way. So, man, I, I want to leave you with this. 
I hope you're not hearing me say you just need to do better. Because us men, we like to do things. But what I'm calling you to do this morning is actually to lean harder into Jesus. That's what I'm calling you to do, to give up yourself, to lean harder into Jesus, to bring all your weaknesses to him, to bring all your insecurities to him, to bring all your, your, what you think are deficiencies to him, to lean into your weakness, to lean into Jesus and to trust Jesus as your king, to follow him. That is the call here this morning because real men act like Jesus and we can't act like him if we're not following him. Let's pray. Father, I, I thank you for this morning. Father, I thank you, God, for the goodness of your word, how you challenge us, God, that this morning it's your words of truth, but it's also your words of love calling us as men closer towards you. Father, forgive us in the ways that we haven't led. Forgive us in the ways that we've fallen short of your grace, of, of your glory, of your, of your calling. And I pray, God, this morning that you would redeem in us and raise up in us, God, this biblical identity and calling that we're first the son of the king, that we are your sons and that, you, you, that you've called us to be men of your heart, that you've called us to be men after your, your kingdom and men after you. And I pray, God, that you would birth that in us, in our hearts, that whatever culture says it, be, it would be what it's like to be a man, God, I pray we'll lay that aside and we'll follow you and what it says to be in scripture and the calling you have for us. I also pray, Lord, for the women in our congregation that are raising up the next generation as well, that I also have are interacting with the men, Lord, uh, the boys now and the future men. Father, I pray that you give them a strength and a grace to teach as well, to call us out, to have a role as well in, in raising up the next generation of, of boys and what it means to be biblical men. And Father, I also have a special thanks uh, prayer this morning, God, for those single moms of, uh, among us, God. For whatever reason, Lord, they may be raising the family on their own. God, I, I thank you, Lord, for the special graces you give upon that family. And I pray, God, that you will cover them with your love. So, God, thank you for your call. Thank you for your sacrifice on the cross that demonstrated for us what it means to be a man. And may we give as you have give, given us as well. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.